0: Our Old Testament Scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis. We're going to read Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Hear the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. He dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, "'I am the Lord.'" The God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. And then the gospel reading coming from John Chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means Christ, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, truly truly I say to you you will see heaven opened and the angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man this is the word of god, Thanks. Thanks be to god.
1: this morning we have reached or reaching the end of the first chapter I'm so excited about this I couldn't wait to get here this is one of those passages where you read it and you say well it's Jesus meeting the disciples or calling the disciples and let's get on to more important things I could preach from this passage the verses we read this morning in John I could preach from this passage Easily for the next four weeks. And we still wouldn't get to the bottom of it. This is just a powerful, powerful passage in the gospel. Why did John write his gospel? We will see and say this over and over and over again. Until you are literally saying to me, John, I don't need to hear that again. I've got it. But the person sitting in front of you may not have heard it, and maybe he or she doesn't get it. So we'll repeat it as long as we are in this gospel. Why did John write? If he were sitting here right now, and I'd say, John, why did you write? He said, well, I told you in chapter 20, verse 30, exactly why I wrote it. It's not on your scripture sheet, but I hope you'll memorize it. If you've not already memorized it. Now Jesus did many other signs. In, his, in the presence of his disciples. Which are not written in this book. But these are written. In order that you may believe. Jesus is the Christ. The son of God. And that believing you may have life. Through his name. Folks. That purpose. Is on every page of the gospel. Not just where the miracles are, but even in meeting the disciples, it's on every page. He's showing us, he's pointing us, and he said, see, this proves the deity of Jesus. It's not just seen in the miracles. It's also seen in the life and ministry of John the baptizer. It's seen in the lives of his disciples. It is seen in the very passage before us. If you don't believe in the deity of Jesus, what do you do with John the baptizer? We saw this two weeks ago. His life and ministry was foretold 700 years before he was born. His relationship to the Messiah was foretold centuries earlier. So in your unbelief, What do you do with the relationship of John the Baptizer and Jesus? What do you do with that relationship? Go back to the message from two weeks ago. The lives of John the Baptizer and Jesus the Christ are inextricably entwined, their lives can't be explained. This relation can't be explained without involving the supernatural. The life of John the baptizer in itself is proof of Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. In the passage before us this morning, there's another problem that arises for the skeptic. What do you do? What do you do with the lives of his apostles. The men, what do you do with these men who became his disciples? The apostle John introduces us to them in the verses we read this morning. Again, we, we haven't come to even look at the first miracle that proved his deity. We haven't arrived at any of the miracles as of yet. But when the men who became his inner core of disciples, first encounter with Jesus, they, they became themselves profound proofs of his deity. And that brings us to the title of this morning's message. It's there in your order of worship. Some fishermen from the boonies went to Judah and then changed the world Let's pray as we can be open God's word to look at this text. Our Father, we bow before you as your priest, a con- whole congregation of priests. You've not only called us to take your word out into the world, out into the Mid-South, out into Memphis and Shelby County, that you've called us to come before you and bring Shelby County and bring Memphis and bring our families and bring our friends and be priests praying for others. Our Father, this morning we pray for our friend and, and brother Buddy Whittishen. Thank you for bringing him through that surgery. We pray that you would bring healing to his knee, a complete healing. Keep him from pain. Help him through this, Father. Strengthen him. Our Father, we pray for Emily McEwen as you have taken her father home to be with the Lord. This week the family gathered for a wonderful celebration of his his life and of the gospel. We pray that you would bless the Fulcher family. Bless Bob and Emily. Our Father, we pray that you would cause, as we look at our mothers, we look at our fathers, we look at our grandmothers and grandfathers, oh, Father, cause us to pass the baton of faith as grandparents, and then as parents, and then as Father, children that grow into parents, we pray that we will be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the word of God that we learned in our homes, that we learned from our parents, that we learned from our grandparents. Father, thank you. And now we ask that you would open your word to us. John Sartell cannot preach so that it will make any difference in our lives. He may know this passage, our Father, but he can't teach it in a way that will change our hearts or will grow us in Christ or maybe change us for the first time. And so we bow before you, Father, And we ask that in these next few minutes that we would hear your voice in our hearts. When we leave here in a few minutes, may we know you have spoken. For the glory of Christ we pray. Amen. Several of you have asked me, especially after the last message we had from John, How does Jesus encounter with John the baptizer and calling his disciples fit with the same story that's told in the other gospels? We've already said that John probably wrote, now this is important, hang on, that John probably wrote his gospel after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had written their gospels. John is intentionally filling in what the other Gospels left out. He's looking at the life and ministry of Jesus from a different perspective. It's blended with the other Gospels. He's not saying they're wrong. He's just filling in the spaces. In the other Gospels, we see that, that in Luke... You can look in the fifth chapter, It'd be interesting today. Go home and read Luke 5. It will really help you in understanding this message. In Luke 5, you see Jesus actually calling Peter and James and John to be His disciples. This encounter this, that we see this morning is down in Judea, is never mentioned. John speaks of Jesus' first contact with the disciples that came from Galilee. He, he pictures it, he writes it, as they first encounter each other down in Judah. That's the province where Jerusalem was. Galilee was the northernmost province, and then you had Samaria. And then you had Judah in the south. That's where Jerusalem was. Jerusalem was the central social, religious, and political city in Israel. People in Jerusalem tended to look at Galilee, at Nazareth, at Capernaum, as being the boonies. Wasn't important. Well, how does that fit with John the baptizer, baptizing Jesus and Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness in a fast after his baptism, being confronted by Satan. All those events, the baptism of Jesus, the fast, the the confrontation by Satan. In in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each one of them talk about it. But John doesn't mention it in his gospel. John knew all those events had been recorded by his fellow disciples. So he tells the rest of the story that we do not see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now John the baptizer's ministry was centered basically in the wilderness just outside of Jerusalem in Judah. As we have seen, he was prepared. What was he doing? He was preparing Israel for the coming of the Messiah. He was preparing the road, the path for Jesus. This great revival had taken place under him at this point John the Baptist, Jesus was unknown. John the Baptist was easily, easily the most well known person, Jewish person in Israel. So Jesus went to John to be baptized. That's when the dove descended on him and the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son. Jesus immediately goes into the wilderness. For a 40 day fast. He's confronted by Satan. Upon his return. We saw this two weeks ago. John. Pointed to a crowd. And to a group of his own disciples. And said. Behold the Lamb of God. As Jesus came by. Called him the Son of God. It was then. It was then. That the passage we read this morning took place. We read the opening words the next day after that. The next day. Now, in your Bible, probably as you read the heads of the paragraphs, the label reads, read this way in mind, John or Jesus calls his first disciples. And indeed, most sermons that I have read or heard on this passage talk about discipleship. But I would change that label. I would change it to his disciples' first encounter with Jesus. That's what happens. In fact, the real caption to this second half of the first chapter could bear the same title as the first half of the chapter of John one. It's all about Jesus. That's all you need to say. It's all about Jesus. Let's see why that's true. Jesus comes out of the wilderness from his fast and epic confrontation with Satan. John is preaching in the wilderness. He sees Jesus. He says to the crowd, he says to his own disciples, look there, there's the lamb of God. At the same time, he tells them Jesus is the Son of God. In the very next day, verses 35 and 36, John's talking to two of his own disciples, having a conversation with two of his own disciples. John the Baptist, baptizer, was a rabbi. He was considered a rabbi. As a rabbi, he had a group of disciples. He was talking to two of his disciples disciples. Jesus walks by. John says to the two disciples, look there, there's the Lamb of God again. What was John doing? He's saying, guys, look, there's the Lamb of God. I pointed him out yesterday. John was literally pushing his own disciples toward Jesus. What would you have done if you would have been one of those two men? Put yourself in that situation. Here's John the baptizer. He's talking. Jesus walks by. You don't know Jesus. And he says, hey, guys, there's the Lamb of God to point him out yesterday. What would you do? This Messiah for which Israel had longed for centuries had just passed within a few feet of you. Someone that John had called the Son of God had just walked by, what would you do? <laughs> you would try to meet him. You would pursue him. Then that's exactly what they did. They would say, John, see you later. Boom. Gone. Now, you know, Jesus is walking away. Don't know where it was, whether it was down the street or what. But you know, when when you're walking, and there's two people following you, and they, they are right behind you, after a while, after 15 or 20 minutes, you're going to turn around and say, why are you guys following me? Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. What are you seeking? What do you want? <laughs> Their answer was, "He didn't say, well you won't believe what John the baptizer said about you. They said, Rabbi, where are you stay?" Now, their rabbi had been John the baptizer. Remember, we just read in verse 35, John was talking to two of his own disciples. So he was their rabbi. They are not saying, you are our new rabbi. No, they were just addressing him, honoring him, for his station. They used that title out of respect. And Jesus says to them, come, you'll see, I'll show you where I'm staying. That's all he did. So they go with Jesus and they spend a day with him. Now we need to make two notes. The first is that John, or or that Jesus wanted them to come with him. This is the Messiah of all of Israel. This is the One for whom Israel had waited for centuries. The Lamb of God. Whom John had said was also the Son of God. And these two men. Are not on the A list in the social strata of Israel. They're fishermen. They're fishermen from the boonies. They were not part of Jerusalem society. Yet. Yet. Jesus had time. He didn't say, Well, who are you? He already knew. He had time. He said, Come and see. He wanted them to come with him. He took them where he was staying and spent the afternoon with them. Wouldn't you have loved to have heard that conversation? Wouldn't you? When I read this, I said, "Man, John tells us that not all that Jesus said or did is recorded in his gospel." So this would be one conversation that was not recorded. I wished it had been. That that tells us that John, what John did write down was what he considered to be the most significant. But Jesus wanted these plebeian men, these commoners, to come with him. Second, we need to know who the unnamed disciple was with Andrew. Scholars strongly, very strongly say it was the Apostle John. Now, the brother of James and close friends with Andrew and Peter. Here's Andrew, the brother of Peter. He's one of them. Well, John was close to them. They lived in the same town. So why doesn't John tell say it was me? He just says, Andrew and another disciple. Well, all through his gospel, John goes out of his way Never to mention his own name. He doesn't mention his name. Remember the two disciples who ran to the tomb when the women told them the tomb was empty? One is named Peter, is named. The other disciple was identified as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That term was used to describe that specific disciple five times in John's gospel. All five times were either right before or right after the crucifixion. We read in John that Jesus told the disciple whom he loved to take care of his mother, to take care of Jesus' mother. Remember at the cross? He said, take care of this woman. Now we know from church history that the apostle John was the one who looked after Jesus mother until she died that's how we know of the encounter we're reading this morning John is writing this he had to be it had to be an eyewitness to divulge these kind of details what time of day was it what time of day it said the 10th hour only Andrew would have known that or Jesus or this other disciple. John said, when he said that, he was saying, I'm the other disciple. I was there. I know what time of day it was. So you have three people. I would love to have been there. Andrew, John, and Jesus. And they've just met. Now, Andrew immediately goes and finds his brother, Simon. Simon, we have found the Messiah. And he brings Simon to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus calls him Simon, son of John. But then he says this Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas is Aramaic, it means rock or stone. Peter is the Greek word for rock. The name Simon meant one who listens, one who's constantly listening to what's going on around him, one who's easily affected by what's going on around him. That's what the word is. So these two words, these two names are really important. You're this, you're Simon, you're easily affected, but you're going to become a stone, a rock. Remember when Peter was in the courtroom, courtyard, excuse me, where Jesus was being tried. A young lady recognizes him and says, Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter denies it. He was Simon, the one who always heard and understood what people were saying around him and really cared about it. And Jesus said, You're going to be a Peter. You're going. A rock, stone, unmovable anchor. So now we have Andrew, John, and Peter involved with Jesus. They are all fishermen. They all live in the same town back in Galilee. The next day we read that Jesus wanted to go back to Galilee. Jesus was from up there too. And we read that. He found Philip. Now we don't know whether he found Philip while he was in Judah or whether it was on his way to Galilee or after arriving in Galilee. It doesn't matter. Jesus found him. This is the first person in this first chapter that is sought out by Jesus himself. John the baptizer pushed Andrew and John toward Jesus. Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus, Philip will end up bringing Nathaniel to Jesus. We must note that Philip was also from Bethsaida if you'll look at verse 44, which was the hometown of Peter and Andrew. It was probable that Peter, Andrew and John and James and Philip all knew each other, following the example of Andrew. Philip immediately goes to find his friend, Nathaniel. Now, with all this constant, you know, each one of them is convinced, this is a Messiah. Well, what's the first thing you're going to do? We found him. We have found him. John the baptizer was right. So Philip goes to find his friend, Nathaniel. And this is humorous. Nathaniel was from Cana, a town in Galilee. Cana was right next door to Nazareth, where Jesus was from. Today, Cana, I've seen it, Cana is a little, 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 tiny hamlet, a small town. It's one of those that you would say, it doesn't even have a light, even a flashing light. And today, that's what Cana is, and Nazareth is a very large city today. But in that day, in that day, Nazareth was a little town without a light. And Cana, from where Nathaniel came, it was a city. It was thriving. So when Philip comes and says, Nathaniel, I found him. Hey, he's from Nazareth. Nathaniel says, You kidding me? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Do you know? I mean, it's a one horse town. Come on, Philip. Notice that as Nathaniel comes to Jesus, Jesus greets him by saying, Behold, an, Israel, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. That's what the. Uh, that's what, my, that's what my translation says, the, uh, the word deceit. The better translation there is guile. I don't think the ESV got this right. He's saying, behold, Israel, there's no guile. Guile means sly or cunning. In other words, Nathaniel, he's saying, you are a straightforward individual. You call it like it is. What you see and hear is what you get. As a straightforward individual, Nathaniel responds, that's exactly who I am. How do you know me? We've never met. Then Jesus answers with a sentence that we'll not understand until we get home and ask Nathaniel in person. Jesus says, Nathaniel, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I'll be reading commentaries or I'll be listening to a sermon, and somebody will take this and say, This is probably what it was, or this was probably what it was, or this was probably what it was. Folks, there's no way of knowing what that was. No way. So when somebody says, I know what's the you've got to say, No. No, but it was so profound and so deep. And the experience that he had under that fig tree was so unique. Only Nathaniel knew about it. And Jesus said, I saw you when you were under a fig tree. And what does Nathaniel say? It's so profound. He says, you are the son of God. You are. He's convinced at that point of the deity of Jesus. Now, then Jesus replies with words that are not only a reply to Nathaniel, but they are fitting words to the end of this epic chapter. And they introduce us to the rest of the book of John. He tells Nathaniel, if you're impressed with what I just told you about seeing you under a fig tree, Wait until you see what I'm going to do next. Wait do you see what's coming. You're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You know, those, the men around him, those few people that were around him, would have realized he was alluding to the experience Jacob had when he was fleeing from the anger of Esau in Genesis 28. Jacob derived his scared to death of his brother, he arrived in the evening at an unknown place, and he laid down to sleep. He had a dream. In the dream, he saw a ladder between earth and heaven. It was a ladder to heaven, or the ladder to earth from heaven. And angels were ascending, going up and down this ladder. At that time, God reiterated the promise that he had made to Abraham. He made the promise to Jacob. And Jacob marked the place with a memorial stone. And he called it Bethel, the house of God. Jesus was saying, Hey, Nathaniel, I'm the ladder. You think, you, you really, just me saying I saw you under a fig tree? Wait till you see. I'm the ladder Jacob saw. He reaches into heaven. And it was the, He said, you're going to see those angels ascending and descending on me. What did he mean by that? He was referring to the miracles Nathanael would see. So so these words introduce the rest of the book of John. Where we see, along with Nathanael, the miracles of Jesus that designate his deity, that he was indeed from glory. In fact, John moves from these words into the, in, 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 to the story of Jesus. You know what happens next? This miracle. And it was the first miracle. What was the first miracle? You know what? where he went to Cana, to Nathaniel's hometown, and he turned the water into wine. We're going to talk about that next week, and I'm, just, I'm going to put in a commercial here. You do not want to miss this. There's more than water being turned into wine there. It's huge. People make jokes about it. I mean, what a deep, wonderful, powerful passage. But these words are fitting, are fitting in to the monumental first chapter of John. Jesus ends that chapter by saying, you will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He called himself the Son of Man. This is the first time in the book of John he calls himself the son of man. We read about the son of man in Daniel 7 this morning in our call to worship. It's the title that Jesus used of himself more than any other title and he was referring back to Daniel 7. Daniel sees one like a son of man coming on the clouds of glory receiving the kingdom of all kingdoms from the ancient of days. And so in this passage at the, when he said to Nathaniel, you'll see, I'm the ladder into heaven, into glory. And you'll see the angels ascending and descending. It's there that he says, I am the Son of Man. So why does the summation in chapter 1, this is beautiful. In chapter 1, more titles are used for Jesus than in any other single chapter in the Bible that I know. Run through them quick. Starts verse one, the Logos, the word, then the word of God, God, the light of men, the true light, the only begotten of the father, the ones greater than John the baptizer, Jesus, the Christ, the only son from the father, the Lord, the lamb of God, He baptizes with the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, Rabbi, Messiah. He's the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote, the King of Israel, and then the last title, the Son of Man. All of those occur in one chapter, the first chapter. It's all about Jesus, folks. That's what I told you at the beginning. That's all you need to know. Somebody says, hey, what's what's the first chapter of John about? It's all about Jesus from beginning to end. Jesus is the main point. In that first part of the chapter, the words are all about Jesus, who Jesus was and where he came from. Next comes John the baptizer. What was he about? Why did God create and send him? To prepare Israel for Jesus. And we've seen today that he was not only preparing Israel for Jesus by this great revival, he was preparing the very disciples that Jesus would call. The core group of those disciples were disciples of John the baptizer before they were disciples of Jesus. Well, then that leaves us after John the baptizer, that leaves us with the disciples. Isn't the last part of the chapter introducing how the disciples found Jesus? Let me ask you a question. In the record before us this morning, did the disciples find Jesus or did Jesus seek them out and find them? Take Andrew and John. They are disciples of John the baptizer standing and talking to him. Jesus just happened to walk by. Did they plan that or did Jesus? John pointed to Jesus And said, there goes the Lamb of God. They take off after Jesus. Now I ask you, did Andrew and John find Jesus? Or did Jesus find Andrew and John? They didn't say, hey, we're coming to spend time with you. It was Jesus who said, come and see where I'm staying. But didn't Andrew bring his brother? Mm-hmm, Peter. But what did Jesus say when he saw him? He said, You're Simon. But I know you, Simon, and you're going to become, I'm going to make you the rock. This is not about. It's not about Nathaniel and Peter finding Jesus. It's just the other way around. Well, Philip told Nathaniel, But didn't Jesus already know Nathaniel? Didn't he say, I knew you when you were under victory. He said, my Lord and my God. What did Jesus say to his disciples well and to his ministry? You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you. People, people. Christ's covenant, know this. It's always about him. Always. This first chapter tells us who Jesus is and how he came to his disciples. This first chapter tells us who Jesus is and how he came to us. You see, this story is not just about those 12. Just those few. These first six or whatever. Whatever. The story's about us. It's about you. None of us found Jesus. Not one of us. Where would John the baptizer be without Jesus? These men from the boonies of Galilee would literally change the Roman Empire. Who would they have been? And what would they have done Without Jesus. Well did he make them presidents? Did he make them kings? Did he make them senators and governors? Did he make them wealthy billionaires? No. He came. And called them to be. His disciples. He said the same thing to them. He found them and said the same thing to them. That he said to you. And to me. Follow me. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Some fishermen from the boonies went to Judah. And then they changed the world. Take heart. Take heart was only one hymn to sing and I didn't have to spend a minute thinking about it as I prepared the order of worship and I knew what this message was there's a hymn that we've been singing through this last year all glory be to the Christ and that's our hymn with which we'll close let's stand May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be inside of us and go with us and abide with us. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.